welcome to another edition of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Andrew Decker is joining me, as always. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing great. Doing great. You know, last time uh, we talked a little bit about some DWI laws, some some considerations when you're being pulled over and arrested for DWI. Um, and this is going to be another DWI episode. We're going to talk more about, um, you know, the next phases um, of a DWI case. Sure. And part of it is is DWIs are one of the most common cases that we as defense attorneys see. I I call it the every person offense. Why? Because if you've left a dinner or a friend's house and you get home and you went, maybe shouldn't have done that, you might have been DWI, right? right? Or, Um, you know, I mean, it's it's an officer's opinion um, a lot of times. So you could have two glasses of wine at dinner go driving, and for some non-intoxicated related driving event... Um, find yourself facing find, yeah. a... Uh, right, right. We'll get to that. That's yeah. the, the, How do we prove intoxication? Right. But we realized we left a few things out in the first episode we want to hit before continuing on. Yeah. Um, and one of those is officers get to ask you all sorts of questions. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like anybody else coming up to you on the street, they can they can ask you your name and what's going on. So the most common question is, where are you coming from tonight? Right. What difference does it make if I'm doing 65 and a 40 where I'm coming from? Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Y- you've got me for 25 over the speed limit. It's more than 10% over. I'm going to pay the fine. Or let's move on down give the road. Me, give me my ticket, man. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I so I tell them I'm 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 coming from my drug dealer's house in that situation, <laughs> and uh, and I, and I things, do not I do not recommend stating yeah, that to a cop. Yeah. It's not. It's, but it's just me being a smart uh, a smart Alec. But um, uh, never a good situation uh, uh to start off a conversation like that. But they do get the right. Uh, they have the right to ask you some general questions when you've been pulled over just to kind of assess the situation. Right, kind of for any reason. Where are you coming from? Where are you headed to? How you doing tonight? How you doing tonight? If, it, if, it's, if it's after about 10 o'clock on any night and they smell any alcohol or they see any, they're going to go, have you been drinking tonight? Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, like I don't know, I, you can't reproduce a smelling coordinate. We probably talked about it in the first part of the DWI. It just drives me crazy. Right, you know how much it was moderate, a little bit, and then suddenly at the end of the report, it was a strong odor of alcohol. Yeah. I've literally seen it change in a report from beginning to end. Yeah. Okay. I, I've had I've had clients who just had like diet cokes spilled on them. You know. Um, and the the officer said, no, nope, well, it smells like alcohol. And she's like, um, no, it was a Diet Coke, no <laughs> alcohol. Uh, yeah, so so literally, um, you know, this smell thing just kind of drives right. me crazy. But, but, they, but they get to ask you questions, and we feel like we need to answer them. But really, does where I came from really have any bearing on whether or not, first of all, I was speeding or, or not, oh, not stopping at a stop sign? And then second... Where I came from may be no indication of if I was drinking or how much I was drinking. Right. We, we've all been at a place, uh, well, uh, a bar or, or an event um, where there was alcohol involved, where for some reason we didn't drink because we're the designated driver or just 
we knew we had to drive home, or we just didn't feel it. Now, we may have been eating gross bar food. We may feel disgusting. We may smell like smoke. We may even smell like alcohol because of where we've been and where we've sat and everything else. But being at a bar doesn't mean I've been drinking. Secondly, I can be at home for a day and be wasted. Yeah. Yeah. So if I say I just left the house, does that mean... Which which anybody who knows me knows that's not going to be true. But right. um, uh, but where I came from doesn't indicate if I'm intoxicated. Most of the time, the police officers already know. They've been parking out in that parking lot on the street. They see you leave. They know where you came from. Right. Literally, they'll watch you leave the bar, follow you for a block, and sure enough, you didn't turn on your signal to turn right at a hundred feet from the intersection, oh, well, it's you're only such an intoxicated driver. It's it, and it's only a two hundred foot, uh, uh, you know, block. You know, so right. you literally have to like as soon as you're in the block, turn on your blinker and then stop. Make sure you stop at the line, you know, and, and then make the right hand turn. Otherwise, you are definitely that's definitely a sign of intoxication. Yeah. Um. So so those are questions they get to ask and the things they're looking for. Um. But Andrew, we we've covered a lot of that already. Um. In the last episode, so. They, they get there. We've talked about the walk and turn and the one-leg stand and all those things last time, but, but how do they actually prove you're intoxicated here in the great state of Texas? Yeah, well, there's two ways, um, so why don't each of us take one? Okay. So uh, the, probably the, the hardest, the one that I'm always trying to argue, is when an individual doesn't have the normal use of their mental or physical faculties by reason of the introduction of alcohol or some other substance into their system. And, and, um, and I'll let you go ahead and, and say the, the, the next one. Well, I, I want to I ask, how do you know what someone's normal yeah. mental and physical faculties are exactly. if you've never met them except for on the side of a road? Exactly. And that's why I'm always trying to do something to get the second way to define intoxication in Texas kicked uh, because that's what I want to argue. Right. So, um, uh so the, the other way, the second way, probably the, the most common way, the one that we all think about is the blood alcohol content, the BAC. Um, and that would be that can they prove uh, that your blood alcohol is over, at or over, a 0.08. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything over that is considered a default uh, intoxicated uh, in the state of Texas for driving. And, and because this is it's a driving, driving while intoxicated charge, that... 0.08 needs to be stressed to a jury. It has to be at the time of driving. Right, not at the time I took the blood test or the breath test or something to that effect. Right, which typically could be hours after you're stopped by the police officer. Correct. Um, And and so those become questions of when did you finish drinking? How much did you drink? And then and then we get into things called extrapolation. You know, like at what point yeah, did you reach yeah. your your yeah. your highest point of intoxication? So when they took the test, were you still going up and being drunk, or were you coming down and being drunk? Um, you know, politicians uh, always talk about fuzzy math, and that's what reminds me of like fuzzy math. Like, wait a second, that's not that doesn't really add up to me somehow. Right. It always. Uh, well, anytime, anytime you have to start talking about extrapolation and, and figuring out what the blood alcohol was two hours ago based on whether they drank earlier or later, all I see is jurors kind of glazing over because 
at, at that point, I don't think they care. If they're really looking at the number and only the number, they've already made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So when um, – so BAC over a .08 is one way to prove intoxication, but is that the way – is that still the standard when um, an individual has been pulled over and they're under the age of, you know – 21 or 18 or... All right, so, so, so that's a different question. Um, we've been talking about a DWI, driving while intoxicated, um, and, and that's an assumption, right? We're talking about someone who's 21 or older. So I've reached my 21st birthday or later. Then if I'm driving while intoxicated, I'm facing a DWI. But let's say that I'm 19 and somehow I got a hold of my big brother's uh, ID and and had a beer. That never happens, by the way. What, that I've only had a beer? No, 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 that, that a 19-year-old uh, sneaks alcohol, you know, by stealing their older brother's right, right. ID. So, so hold on, let's back up, let's back up one second. So, so the having one beer reminds me one other question that they're going to ask. You know, they ask, have you been drinking? How many drinks have you had? And what's the answer? Two. It's always two. <laughs> um, we don't know how that's possible. And, and Everybody I've had, ever stopped for DWI has only had two. two. It, it is, it's bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre every, every, every uh, recording. I've seen one guy say three, and I was like, holy cow, that guy is going to be just completely over the limit. Um, and amazingly, he was right at like a .09, so he probably had he three. Crazy. He was yeah. being honest. It was strange. Um, uh, but, but if I'm 19 and I've had a beer, one, a Bud Light, so it's like four percent water, four percent alcohol by volume. I like mine with lime. Um, it, it, I know, I know. We all we all have our things, man. Um, uh, but if I'm drinking a Bud Light, it's probably with lime. And uh, but I've had one, and I'm 19 years old, and the officer pulls me over, and he can just t- catch that hint of alcohol on my breath, and they do a blood test or a breath test, and I come out at a point oh one. Yeah. What am I? You're driving under the influence. Right. I'm under 21, and I have alcohol in my system. That's an automatic automatic fail. Yeah. So zero tolerance, right? Um, no zero tolerance. In your system if you're not of legal drinking age. Right. And, and, and um, there's actually warnings, and we'll get to, to the full ones. It's kind of the next step. The DIC 24, 24 warnings tell you if you are younger than 21 years of age and have any detectable amount of alcohol in your system, your license, permit, or privilege to operate a motor vehicle will be suspended or denied for not less than 60 days. Yeah. Um, so, so if you're, again, we've stressed this earlier, don't drink and drive. That's if, super important. Yeah, we're not, we're not trying to tell you how to get around, uh, you know, this, this uh, law we have against uh, driving while intoxicated, please get a designated driver. Call right. an Uber, it, get it, a cab, whatever. Because even an Uber for, for a 50-mile trip is going to cost you less than hiring e- either one of us or any other attorney we know to handle Absolutely. a DWI or a DUI right. if you're under 21. So if you're under 21, don't, don't drink and drive. If you're over 21, don't drink and drive. Save yourself the hassle. Um. So, so if you're under 21, it's DUI. In some states, the DUI, DWI is alcohol or non-alcohol. Right. Um, but in Texas, it's, it's an age question, not, a, not, an, in, not an intoxicant and, question. And to be clear, 
you can still be charged uh, with a DWI even if you're not of legal drinking age. Right, because you were still drinking and driving, yeah, and, and were you intoxicated? Yeah. Um, but if you have any detectable amount, if it's under that .08, then uh, uh, odds are it's going to be a DUI, which is Class C misdemeanor, um, much less punishment than a DUI. Well, and, and also probably throw in a uh, minor in consumption. Minor in consumption. And, and if you're like most minors, you're still carrying some in your car, so that's a minor in possession. And so uh, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, but l- l- let's talk about those DIC 24 warnings. DIC 24. Um, you know, they are going to be read to an individual um, who... They must a- be provided to you orally and in writing. Yeah. So after you complete the standardized field sobriety test, and, um, you know, obviously we're assuming in that situation, um, you the, the officers determined that you failed. But let's be clear. Once the officer is administering the field sobriety tests, odds are he's already made the determination you're going to fail. Yeah, he, he may not tell you that. He may not tell anybody else that. Um, but he, he's kind of made his decision by the time he gets you out of the car. It's kind of strange. Um, so, so the DIC-24, as I said, has to be provided to uh, the person in writing and orally. And literally, uh, you know, we've talked about your motion to suppress. I filed a motion to suppress. It might be heard in a, in a, in a few weeks. Because I have a guy that uh, had an accident, and there's no evidence anywhere in the file that he was provided written or oral form of DIC-24. Yeah. And he consented to a blood draw. Interesting. You know... And the only, the only consent is, is on the, can we draw your blood, basically the medical form. Oh, uh-huh. So, so... Uh, you're gonna have gonna have some interesting arguments there. Yeah, yeah. The prosecutor turned a little. Uh, literally, you could see his face turn pale when he was flipping through his file and couldn't find a DIC twenty four. Um, yeah, and and you know, especially in light of uh, of the Martinez case that we just spoke about with right. uh, Michelle Ochoa, right? One of our prior episodes. I think that's an interesting argument. You know, the uh, as a prosecutor, of course, it's been a number of years. Um, I would always say the um, the you know there's an exception. It's it's a uh, they pulled it for medical diagnosis purposes. Of course, you got to prove that it was actually done that way. And there's implied consent, and there's issues there. Right, too. most of that's gone away now. Right. Now, 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 uh, they have to give you the warning, and they have to give you an option. And and and, and we hear these enough that we can almost say them by memory. They say, you are under arrest for an offense arising out of acts alleged to have been committed while you were operating a motor vehicle in a public place or a watercraft while intoxicated or an offense under Section 106.041, and it goes on, uh, Alcoholic Beverage Code. So the, um, and I know that you particularly like that first paragraph right of right the DIC 24. Uh, right someday we're going to talk about Miranda and I'm going to I'm going to talk about this uh, specifically because literally Miranda is supposed to be provided at any time that you're under arrest um, and you're going to be asked uh, you're going to be interrogated right. while in custody and so they they tell you you are under arrest for an offense 
And I think at that point there should be a hard stop. They read Miranda and then continue, and we'll we'll talk about that later. It, it yeah. just every time it irks me. I'm like, it should be a Miranda right there because they're then going to ask you questions that could incriminate you in a criminal matter. <clears throat> you Sorry. know, yeah, and I and that's interesting too. Just kind of a sidebar. You know, we ask individuals, uh, other attorneys to um, to appear on our on our podcast and. Part of the pre-interview process, we we asked them like, is there a certain uh, field of law that just kind of gets you going, you know? And um, and I, you know, Jerry Goldstein had a really great answer um, uh, when we interviewed him in episode three. Um, and that sounds like it's going to be that's going to be one of your, um, you know, that the, that topic really gets your goat going. It, right? it, it does. I'm going to go to preaching without even trying here in a minute. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're going to ask you, the DIC-24, after reading it, they're going to say, we are now requesting a sample of your bre- uh, breath or your blood, and they're actually going to tell you which one they want, but they're going to yeah. say either or. Um, and, and and what I think is is that if they suspect that it's anything beyond alcohol, they're going for your blood. They're right. going to ask for your blood right? Um, to see if there's... Some THC, um, uh, Xanax, Xanax, anything, any, well, and and Benadryl. Oh, yeah. You know, over the counter, you take a few Benadryl and you, you, you down a, a, a a vodka twist at the, at the bar, and you may, you may be intoxicated because those two things mix up and you're suddenly really sleepy while driving. Um, but I think if it's, if they really suspect it's just alcohol, they're probably going to ask you to go blow in the breathalyzer. That that may vary depending on where you are. Uh, is there a breath machine close by? Is there a hospital close by to do a blood draw? Is there? Uh, so it's not exact, but right. that's kind of my my feeling on why they're going to ask for one or the other generally. And you know we're gonna we're gonna move on past the breath or blood um, issue. We probably what I think would be good for our podcast is to get. Other attorneys in to uh, who are experts in fighting the breathalyzer machine, who are ex- experts in fighting the blood draws and blood tests, to talk specifically about each of those methods that the state tries to prove BAC. Um, but Andrew, so that that's kind of wraps up the arrest. The officer is going to complete his field sobriety test, going to ask for a breath or blood test by reading the DIC twenty four. You're going to be arrest uh, arrested. Um, what happens next? What's the next step in the process? So you're going to find out on that DIC 24 uh, and in some other forms that if you say no to that blood draw, and and you have a right to say no. Yeah. You're not being rude. You're yeah. not being ugly. You have a constitutional right to say no. Get a warrant. Right. You're not being mean. The, the founding fathers... Um, and I know as all men, so we say founding fathers, they did that to you for, for you for a purpose so that you didn't have to just give the police evidence. Yeah. Um, so tell them, get a warrant. It's going to be okay. Um, but if you ask for a warrant, they're going to automatically suspend your license, the, D- the Department of Public Safety, for 180 days. So some people go, well, I don't want to do that, so I'll blow or I'll give you my blood. And if it's over a .08, you then lose your license for 90 days. Um, so, so if you get to an attorney soon enough within the first 15 days, we can go to we can appeal that 
at an administrative license revocation hearing, um, we call them an ALR, to try not to have that administrative license revocation. Right. Um, and that's really important, too, because a lot of times that's a, that's a way for us to get some discovery just a little bit quicker. Um, and, and so that's a good point. If you are ever arrested for a DWI, go and find an attorney just as soon as you get out of jail um, or, or bond out, because it's really important for us to jump on the case immediately. We've got to request an ALR hearing. Within 15 right. days, not business days, days. Right. So you get arrested on a Saturday, you get out on Sunday, you go to work on Monday going, oh my God, I don't believe what I'm doing, what am I doing? And, and, uh, and about Wednesday, you come out of enough of a fog to think, call an attorney, you've already used four or five days. Yeah. Um, you're, you're burning clock quick and um, that, that, that ALR is coming. Yeah. Okay, so um, next, you know, the, the state's going to review their case. If they think they have a good case, they're going to file and information in the county court or with the county clerk's office, you're going to be brought into court. Um, so, Andrew, typically a DWI starts out as a Class B misdemeanor. Right, and usually that's actually how it, what you get arrested for is a, is a Class B DWI. Right, because a lot of times officers, if they're looking for bre- or a blood test, if they've taken a blood test, they don't know what those the results are yet. Um, but depending on that, result it could be a class a misdemeanor correct right right so so we can jump to a class a for for a couple of reasons one if that blood alcohol level is over a 0.15 not quite double the legal limit uh then then we we've crossed over into a class a and the difference for the for, for for people who don't know a class b uh maxes out at a at 180 days in the county jail and a two thousand dollar fine uh a class a maxes out at a year in jail and a $4,000 fine. So you double your consequences um, in terms of jail time and fine time uh, by going to a .15. You also, if you have a D, if you already have a DWI on your record, right. a final conviction for a DWI, and you get arrested another time, you are now having a DWI second. Yeah. And that's also automatically a class A misdemeanor. Um, and it, it, you, we can go up from there. A third is a felony. Yeah. Um, a third. It, deg- it doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to have a class B, then a class A conviction to get to the felony. Like, right. two class B convictions for DWI, your third one, no matter what, is a felony. Is a felony. Another way to get a felony, you can be at a .09, just over the legal limit, but you have somebody who's under 14. So you went to the family picnic, right. and you um, uh, ha- have your have your toddler in the back seat, and you're like, hey, you know, I'm okay, but you've spent the day at the family picnic chugging beers with Uncle Tom, and yeah. suddenly you're facing a felony because you had someone under 14 in your car. Right. So... Th- yeah, those scary. Th- those scary enhancements situation. come quick, um, and I, I, I've literally seen uh, men driving their family home, uh, and, and the issue for them r- truly became, I-, I can't take a felony because I-, I had my kids in the car, and they were at a family event. Yeah. Um, talk about a terrible, terrible way to end a family day. So, um, and, and also just some minor enhancements, you know, like if you had a, an open container um, in your vehicle, it's going to add just a little bit more, um, y- you know, 
Andrew and myself, we, we think of those really, uh, these enhancements as just bargaining chips or leverage that the state's trying to use in order to play a case out quickly. You really need to get a, a, uh, a good attorney who's familiar with the DWI law um, to not blink in the face of, of that leverage that the state's trying to and, use. And, and the open container is an, an automatic issue. So, right. so if they pull you over and you've got an open, you know, uh, 40 sitting in your console and it's half yeah. drunk and you smell like alcohol, they're going to use that to prove that you've been drinking and driving. That one I get. Right. But what if I've got, uh, my son's 21. He, okay. he, he goes to the University of Texas. So he drinks the, the local Austin uh, beverage of choice, Tito's. A um, oh, little shout out. Okay. Um, uh, and so, so if, if he at 21 has been at a party on a Saturday night, um, and then it's now Sunday, and they're cleaning up the party, and he's like, ooh, I don't want to get rid of this because it's only a half-drank bottle of Tito's, yeah. and puts it in the car right behind the driver's seat and drives home, they can say that's an open container. Yeah. Why? Because it's inside the passenger compartment. It's, the seal has been broken. He doesn't even have to be drinking at the time. They can go, he's got an open container. Right. Uh, the other example that, that I kind of look at is, is that if I've been at the lake fishing, and lots of people drink beer while they're fishing, I, I don't because I think it's hot, and so I yeah. want to drink like water and Gatorade. But um, uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm fishing and I've had a few beers, and truly it's been over the course of the day, I may be at like a .02, really very little alcohol in my system, but I decide not to litter, so I throw those few cans in the back of my car. Why? Because I'm trying to be a good public servant. Or in the cooler in the back of your car. Or in or the something. cooler in the back of my car. Yeah. They can say, well, those are an open container. Right. And so it, often I, I, I ask the officer, what, what do you mean it's an open container? And they're like, well, it's, it was a can and it was still cold. It's almost impossible. The aluminum yeah. can gets to room temperature before you finish drinking yeah, or the drink. It's been sitting in ice water in the cooler, right? Oh, or, or it's you know forty degrees outside. So yes, everything's cold. And and I've literally had these discussions. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, the open container is something they try to pr- use to prove. Well, first of all, it's an offense to drive with an open container in your car. That is an yeah, offense it, by itself. It's a class C misdemeanor. It's just like a ticket. Um. But they they will use it to prove that you try to try to. Yeah, it's like uh, evidence uh, of intoxication. Right, I'm, I'm, or I'm actually drinking uh, or whatever. It, it, not not embellished. That's not the word I'm looking for. I'm actually looking for there's a legal term, um, bolster. Bolster is uh, the word I'm looking for. They'll kind of bolster uh, their evidence. There's me blanking on legal terms. We, bolster. We hang out frequently. I'm still not at the point where I can read your mind. But, uh, but thank maybe, God. Maybe someday. <laughs> no, no, and, and and Lord forbid that I ever be able to read your mind. Yeah. Um, uh, but 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 they kind of bolster their evidence by saying there's an open container in the back. Well, when did I drink it? Uh, you know, how long has it been there? So, uh, and anyways, it takes a it takes a, a an experienced attorney to be able to look at the prosecutor and and, and really uh, work through um, you know these quote unquote enhancements on your DWI charge um, to to get at what's actually justice in your particular case. Um, Andrew, we talked a little bit about driver's license suspensions. Um, just briefly, before we wrap up, what are some other collateral consequences that you know of 
um, with regards to a DWI case. Well, first of all, your insurance is going to sure. spike. Yeah. Just, yeah. just know it. There, back uh, four or five, maybe six years ago, there was a commercial that said a DWI will cost you $15,000. Yes. Probably it, all an insurance cost, right? It, it will cost you $15,000. You're going to pay your attorney. You're going to pay for an occupational license. Your insurance is going to go up. And then if you if you end up with a conviction, uh, this one's changed recently. It's no longer a, um, uh, a surcharge. Now you get a fine from the state. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that. You know, we, it used to be a surcharge attached to your license suspension. They've gone away with that program, and now it's a mandatory fine, which sounds pretty ridiculous to me. Right, because you're going to get fined by the by the the county court, um, uh, right there where you are, up to two thousand or four thousand. Assuming we're, we're we're just dealing with misdemeanors, we're not dealing with right. felonies at this yeah. point. Um, uh, you can get that fine. They're gonna you're gonna pay court cost of around three hundred and fifty four hundred dollars, um, and then and then now they just get to tack on this this fine. And they're already some of our brothers and sisters in the Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association who are drafting. Uh, and that came into effect September one of this year. So fairly new, yeah. pretty new. Um, who are already drafting and looking for the you know basically the first case out of the box that it comes down to to argue that that's double jeopardy. You're being punished twice right. without due process. Right. Yeah. So you know that that is another collateral consequence um, if you are convicted for DWI. And you know, kind of Andrew mentioned it earlier. This is like uh, this law affects everyday people the same. Like anybody can be pulled over, suspected of DWI, um, arrested, um, having to hire an attorney, go into court, being convicted. And so the social stigma that's attached to this, uh, to an allegation such as this is pretty huge. And, and, and truly up and down the scale, I've had in, in my few years of being an attorney, I've had an 84 Toyota Corolla. Right. So it, that car was 30 years old. I also had a, about a two-year-old Maserati. Yeah. Um, as being driven, I've uh, uh, Hispanic, Hispanic, male, female, black, Asian, white. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It is. It is. Could happen to anybody. And it's part of the reason why. Again, I tell you, don't drink and drive. It's it. it you don't want to have to hire me or Andrew Harith or anybody else um, uh, to defend this. It's yeah. just too simple. Right. Uh, run us out of business by not doing it. Right. And, you know, like, I- I'm okay with representing, uh, you know, what what I guess every, uh, the, the average person would consider an actual criminal. Uh, I don't, I, I really don't want to have to represent a normal law-abiding, church-going, community um, you know, community service type worker um, type of individual on a DWI and try to save their criminal history. Uh, and but keep we will. Clean. We will. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't don't take that. I don't want to as Andrew Harris wouldn't do it. He will gladly, gladly, gladly do it. But and we do and we do every day. But it's it really is sad to me to see that somebody like that um, who you wouldn't find in a criminal courthouse having to be drugged through the process because right. of. A, a, the arresting officer's opinion. Right, right. So 
I, I think we've covered most of what we need to cover in DWI between uh, our last episode and this episode. Um, uh, but obviously, if you have questions about it, you can you can reach out to us. You can go on our website, Texas Crim Defense. There's actually a place to contact the show. Write us a question. We'll be glad to answer it. We might even bring it up on the on another show or uh, or an addendum at some point. Right. Um, you can obviously uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on um, Google. We're on now Google. Google Podcasts, yeah. Google Podcast. I, yeah. I didn't even know what that is, so that's why I had to look at Mr. Right. Harris, oddly. Um, and on iTunes Podcast, your favorite podcast um, uh, app. Uh, I'm th- these are terms I- I'm way Never not Never thought you good. would ever be talking about that, right? Um, N- yeah, not a y'all, clue. please uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Google Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Um, hopefully it's a five-star. If not, just go to texascrimdefense.com. Send us a message. What do we? What do we? Uh, what can we change for you? Uh, if you have any questions, like Andrew said, if we get any really good questions, we'll start reading those on the uh, on the air and talking about that. So, if there's a topic of the law that you're interested in that you want to hear, uh, maybe an interview of or or, or a podcast episode about, uh, you can message us at TexasCrimDefense.com. You can reach us, reach out to us personally there. And again, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, leave us a rating. For Andrew Decker, my name is Andrew Harris. You've been listening to Andrew and Andrew on Texas Crim Criminal Defense Podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to both those episodes on DWI. Our next episode will be with a friend of mine, Tobias Lopez, an attorney in Tarrant County, who argued to the Second Court of Appeals uh, about the harassment, electronic harassment statute, and they found it unconstitutional. And we're going to get to hear about his experience in that next time on Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. <laughs>